Hallelujah. Could we bow our heads and close our eyes as we look to the great God, the one who is with us, who has a plan for us, who is here to minister to each and every one of us, even though those who are watching by the internet. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to call you Father. Indeed, we are blessed to be in the land of, of the living. It's a joy and privilege for us to be in your house. As the psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they shall yet be praising you. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask, so, oh Lord, that you'll just have your way. We pray that you'll lead by your spirit. We, we seek and we are depending on the, your spirit to lead us. As Zachariah 4 says, it's not by might nor by power, but truly it's by your spirit. So take full control, lead, direct, speak, have your way. We say that you are the potter and we are the clay. We make us and mold us into what you want us to be. As we offer up the sacrifices of praise to you. Use the worship team and the musicians. Lord, as your word comes forth later on in the service, we are trusting you to speak to every heart in the name of Jesus. So take full control as we commit the rest of this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, and let God's people say amen. How many of you are ready to worship the Lord in the amen, house amen, today? Amen. Let's come on. Let's hear the worship day. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning. Isn't it a great time to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. God is good. And all the time. Just give a shout of praise this morning. to generation we worship you hallelujah 
from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. See you. 
You praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Do you really believe that He is your strength more than other? The psalmist recognizes that and he says, Oh God, He's on my rock, He's my fortress, He's a very present help in the times of trouble. He's on my refuge, He's my strength. Hallelujah. Is he a hope more than other? Is he a strength more than others? Hallelujah. You can place your trust in him. He is bigger than any giants you are faced with here today. He is bigger than any problem that you have. If you are that you have, if you are sick in your body, he is the great physician. Do I have a witness in the house here today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are in a great need today, hear Jehovah, oh God, our driver, our provider. Is he able? Had he done it in the past? Hallelujah. You know, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher. But it's important for us that we say, Lord, open my eyes to see you as you are. High and lifted up. Is God bigger than your problem? Let this time be a time when we'll seek the Lord and call on him. You can make your seat an altar and you can call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Or you can stand. But whatever you do, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 33, 3 says, when we call on him, he'll answer us. This is the assurance we have in him. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a privilege we have to call you Abba Father. What a privilege we have to come to you with all our needs, all our cares. For Lord, we're reminded in First Peter chapter 5 that says, we invited us to cast all our cares upon us for you care for upon you for you care for us oh lord is there anything too hard for you to do lord help us open our eyes that we'll see that for with god all things are possible lord somebody is in need of a divine intervention the road has been rocky there has been obstacles in the way hallelujah they have been pressured Lord, they have been in want, but oh God, may your people put their trust in thee. For those who trust the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, that abideth forever and shall not be moved. Father, would you intervene in the lives of your people here today? Somebody is in need of healing. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healing balm of Gilead. You took the price paid the price for our healing and by your stripes we declare and we decree that we are healed in the name of Jesus. Somebody who's watching by the internet today, Lord, would you intervene and touch that person? Hallelujah, that they'll come to the realization that you are greater, that you are, you are stronger and you are higher. Lord, we believe your report. Whose report will we believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. Your report says we are healed. We are delivered. We have been set free in Jesus' name. Thank you for the victory. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those in, in need of a job, would you intervene? Grant your favor. Grant wisdom and understanding and direction. I pray, oh God, may your favor surround your people as like with a shield. I pray, open a door of opportunity. And I, God, that that person in need of a job will receive that job according to their qualification and experience. That you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Father, we pray today for our unsaved loved ones. Those whom we work with and neighbors, you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we pray, oh God, open their eyes. I pray, oh God, soften their hearts. Oh, indeed, your word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Would you intervene and touch and minister to them that they'll come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? As we communicate the gospel with our light be, being bright and us being the salt and light wherever we go, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, save, O oh Lord. Hallelujah, restore. Bring back the back, backsliders back to you, O oh God. I pray they'll have a repentant heart. Lord, that we pray for restoration and healing in the house. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for those who are, Lord, grieving and mourning the loss of loved ones. You are the God of all comfort. You are the God of all hope. You are the God of all peace. Would you intervene and strengthen and uphold and grant your grace at this time. 
Lord, as families are going through this time of grief and a time, Lord, when they need, Lord, a divine intervention in their lives. We pray, oh God, for Sister Frances and her family. Would you intervene and strengthen them, undergird them, bear them up, oh Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, grant, continue to grant your peace, that which passes all understanding. Lord, give Lord wisdom and direction as they prepare for the funeral. I pray, oh God, that you are going to direct, oh Lord, and everything will work out for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, that you be glorified and they'll be strengthened and kept by the power of God. Lord, we thank you. We pray for this nation. We pray for revival. We pray, oh God, for a spiritual awakening that this country would return back to you, return back to the old path. We, Lord, revive us so that we'll rejoice once more according to your word. We commit the rest of this service to you in the name of Jesus that you'll just have your will minister to every single person those here and those who are watching by the internet. Lord, no one would leave this place without being, without experiencing the power of God upon their lives. Lord, we thank you. Oh God, anoint your servant who will bring forth your word. We pray for the anointing. We pray, oh God, that signs and wonders will follow thereafter, that you will be glorified in this house as we are careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise, and let God's people say amen. Amen. Could you give Jesus a praise today? Hallelujah. Can you praise him another time? Can you shout the name of Jesus now? Hallelujah. Please take your seat. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is in this house. How many of you believe that? Amen, amen. You know, Psalm 84 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they shall yet be praising you. Amen. I believe that even though you are not feeling well, the pocket is empty, even though you got bad news, but when you come into the house of the Lord and you experience the presence and and, and corporate worship and you sing and, and make a joyful noise in the presence of the Lord. You are being charged up. You are blessed in the presence of the Lord. Do I have a witness here today? Amen. Amen. So it is good to be in God's house on the Lord's day with God's people. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to take a moment and welcome our first time guests, if you were here for the very first time, we want to give you a warm, living word, open Bible church. Welcome for us to do so. We'll please ask you to stand. Uh, if you are visiting with us for the very first time, please stand. We are not going to solicit anything from you. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for our first time guests. Thank you for coming. Please take your seat. There's someone at the back also. You will, have, you will receive a welcome packet. This is a good time in the service for you to open it and fill it out completely. Uh, and later on in the service, you get an opportunity to place it 
in the offering bucket as it passes by uh, later on. So uh, also, you will be invited to our hospitality suite where you will meet our, some of our leaders and get some more information about uh, our church here. Thanks again for coming, and may God richly bless you. Put your hands together again for our first-time guests. Is there anyone visit, visiting with us again for the second or the third time? You, you are here back with us for the second or third time. Please slip up your hands so we can see and welcome you back. Well, all of you have been coming week after week, and thank God, look around. There are some who are missing. Please pray and contact if you can, and um, let's continue to be our brother's keeper. Um, the person who had invited our first-time guest, could you slip your hand up so we can see? And Okay, wonderful. Put your hands together. Thank you for inviting, bringing out. And I, as I always say, if all of us should invite someone, then this place will be packed uh, to capacity. So let's make a special effort and uh, uh, share the gospel and invite someone uh, to come with you next week in God's house. Well, praise the name of the Lord. We have uh, some upcoming events which we like to remind you of. You have received your bulletin, so it's there. However, I'd like to go to a few of them. The first one, please note that, uh, and this is for, uh, for all those 60 years and above. Well, I'm not there yet, but getting close. <laughs> Uh, 60 years and above, who are interested in important information concerning Medicare and Social Security, there will be an informational presentation on Tuesday, October the 1st. That is this coming Tuesday. All right, you have been asking questions, you want to get some information, this is a good opportunity for you to come out this coming Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. in the hospitality suite. Okay, this is an important uh, time, so please make an effort and come out this coming Tuesday. It's same, around the same time with our Bible study. Also, please remember that, um, please note this, that we have our uh, pastor's appreciation service uh, on Sunday, October the 27th at 9 a.m., there will be only one service. Only one service, and that's 9 a.m. We want to continue to honor um, the leadership that watches over our souls. And we thank God for a great man and woman of, the, of God, whom God has given to us, and they are God's gift to us. Do I have a witness here today? Amen. Let's continue to pray for them, support them, and show our love and appreciation. Truly, we are a blessed church. And you can see the colors, they are orange and off-white, and we want to encourage every one of you to make a special effort as we come and celebrate the servants that God has given to us. South District Men's Retreat, it's uh, Thursday, November the 14th to Saturday, 
the 16th of November at Lake Placid Camp and Conference Center. Registration deadline is October the 21st. I trust that uh, some of you have already registered and um, you asked for it and here it is, men's retreat uh, this year. Invite someone, encourage someone to be a part of this, brothers. This will be a great time. And we have a leadership uh, meeting uh, this evening. Those of you leaders, you know, want to remind you this evening, I believe it's, uh, it's 6 p.m. Um, I have a 6 p.m. back this evening. Leadership meeting, yes, it's there. So please make every effort to be here, leaders, as we come and discuss God's business. Well, praise the name of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, we want to get ready to hear for a message and song as I invite Sister uh, Rampasad to come at this time. And she has a song, and we trust that it's going to bless your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Good morning, church. And I trust everybody is well. You are here today. Amen. And that's enough to say thank you, Jesus. Well, this song talks about the timing of God. You know, God is a God of time. And his ways are not our ways. And you know, when we try to work stuff out for ourselves, it's not what God wants. He is working it in his time. And when it's his time, it's the right time. Amen? So my song is four days late, and I... I'm trusting God that you are going to be ministered to this song. The news came to Jesus. Please come fast. Lazarus is sick and without your help, he will not last. Watch their brother die. They waited for Jesus. He did not come. And they wondered why. The death watch was over. Buried for days. Somebody said he'll soon be here. The Lord's on his way.
Amen. By the way, this is my wife. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord some praise. He's an on-time God. Hallelujah. Anybody can testify to that fact that God is an on-time God. Even though it seems that nothing is happening, he's walking behind the scene. Whatever you are faced with, whatever you are praying about, it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is an on-time God. Somebody need, tell somebody next to you, God is an on-time God. Hallelujah. Don't worry. Trust the Lord. Just have faith in God. Hallelujah. Those of you who are watching by the internet, amen, don't worry. Hallelujah. Just have faith in God. Hallelujah. Trust him. He is going to do it in the name of Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Well, I think you are ready to worship the Lord in your giving. You are ready to dig deep into your pockets and give your tithes and pay your offerings to the Lord. God loves a cheerful giver. And whatever we give today is... It's just a portion of what he has blessed us with. Amen. We do not want to give grudgingly. No. 
uh, 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 stingily, but we want to give cheerfully. Amen. You know, this mother gave the do her daughter, six years old, a dollar bill and a quarter. And she said, well, you need to show this, put this in the offering. So then she realized on her way back home, the daughter had the dollar, but threw the 25, the quarter in, in the offering. She said, why did you do that? She said, well, I give the quarter because um, the preacher said you need to be a cheerful giver. So she gave the quarter cheerfully. Well, let's give our best to him cheerfully. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we ask Deacon Lee to ask God's blessings on the givers and give. Heavenly Father, we take this time out now in the service, Lord, to worship you with our giving. Recognizing, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh. And all that we have, Lord, you are the one who provided it, Lord. You are the one who provided jobs. You provided an income. You provided a way for us to earn income, Lord. You are the one who gives us the strength each day to be able to do so, Lord. So, Father, as we act in obedience now to just give back to you a portion of what you bless us with, we just ask that you bless the givers and the gifts and use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isn't that good music? How many of you would love to, to play <laughs> like that? All right. Well, well, put your hands together for our musicians today. Continue to pray for them, and we are blessed to have them as our musicians. Amen. Well, uh, I know we have missed our pastors for the past two weeks or so. During that time, uh, Sister Francis's brother had gone to be with the Lord. Let's continue to bear up the family in our prayers. And let's continue to pray for our pastors. 
I would like to ask you to put your hands together as we welcome our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis. Well, praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time, I want to thank you for your prayers for our family. And on behalf of Sister Francis and the rest of the family, they want to thank you for your prayers and cards and condolences. And uh, we will be, again, going back to Jamaica for the funeral. So next couple of weeks, we'll be probably traveling there, not this next, but on the second Sunday in, in October. So just remember the family for us in prayer. We appreciate that. Amen. Well, tell the person beside you in the right place at the right time. Will you do that? And uh, get, get, get your Bibles out. And let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And uh, we are actually going to be uh, spending some time uh, going through the word. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to be reading quite a bit of it. I'm going to be actually reading chapter 13, chapter 14, and Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 to 36, or some portion of this. It's a lot of scripture because when I begin to draw reference from them, you want to be able to understand what was going on here. So let's begin. I'm going to use the New King James Version so that you'll be on the same page with me as well. So uh, you can hear my voice while I'm still struggling from the flu. When I was in Jamaica, I got, got, I caught the flu. And so I've been battling that at home for a while. And um, I'm trusting this is the end stage of it. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel, from each tribe to their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were the names of the tribe of Reuben. All right, so we're not going to read the names, but here's what I want you to notice right up front. That the Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm given to the children of Israel. Now, I want you to understand how the Bible works, that in order to get the full counsel of God, you have to actually know much more than just one part of the Bible. So, actually, God did not send them out to do that. So, I'm going to show you that, really, they asked for it. So, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to come back to Numbers 13, but I want to get that clear for you so you see how, the, how it works. That sometimes what it says in one place, you've got to tie it back to another place in order to figure out what really took place. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 19, Moses is talking to the children of Israel. And Deuteronomy means the second law, means that he's repeating the law. And so Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19, here's what Moses says. So we departed from Horeb, and we went through all the great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. 
Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, listen to this carefully, you will come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. So they come to the place, and he says, this is the place that God has given us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And Moses said to them, you've come to this point. This is the land. You look, at the land, look ahead. That's the land God's given you. Go up and possess it. That's what he promised Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. This is it. Here we are. And look at verse 22. And every one of you came to me, came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go and the cities into which we shall come. Then, and so the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 men of 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains. All right. So we're going to stop right there with Deuteronomy. We're going to switch back to Numbers chapter 13. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So I just showed you what happened there. So when it says the Lord sent them, spoke to Moses saying send them, it was because they first requested it. So. We're not going to read the names of the people and all those stuff. So we're going to go down uh, verse 26. Now they departed, chapter 13, Numbers 13, verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses. So, they, so the people went to the, to the land. So maybe I'll give you a little bit more than just that. So verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkel. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Can you imagine how big that must have been? That's a fertile land, isn't it? They also brought some of the pangranuts and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkel because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So, so, so far what we have is that they, they came to the place where they were just to go up and possess the land. As God said, and God had been promising them. And remember, they've been journeying from, from Egypt for this sole purpose because God says, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm taking you to a land that is a precious land. It's a special land. We're on that journey. And when they got to the entrance, he says, here's it. That's the land. Go up and possess it. And they said, no, no. We need to check it out first. We want to find out who's there. What are they like? Do they have any cities that are walled? How are we going? Is, is, is there danger there? Or is it easy to just go in and take it over? We need to know. So then they said, okay. God said, then, then tell them to pick some men. Moses picked some men, one from each tribe, and send them to spy out the land. And they went, and they spied out the land, and they did so for 40 days. And they brought back some of the fruit from the land. We're going to pick it up right there, but let's pray.
So, Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them and literal medicine unto all flesh. May you speak to us today, God. May we hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what only you can do. It is it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit, God, that the work of God is done. And so I ask you to do this morning in the hearts and lives of those who are watching us by the World Wide Web and those that are here, that in the end, you will receive all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we set the stage as to where they are. They've, they've gone to spy out the land, and they're coming back. And uh, they brought back. So now the Bible says, and they returned after spying out the land 40 days. So picking up at verse 26, chapter 13. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So the first thing they recognized and the first thing they said, what God said is true. What God said was true. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. And we're not just faking it. This is not fake news. Here is the substance, the truth, the reality of what it is. We brought back samples to show you that this is true. And they did that, all right? Nevertheless, got a problem. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone are as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Wow. So, we, to this point, we're going to start draw some principles. So today, what I really want to talk to you about is to talk about some principles that, key principles for everyday living. These are principles that you and I are going to need every day as we live this Christian walk. So I want you to get your pencils out and your paper and flip over to the back of the program where there is a place for notes. Because you and I are going to need these principles every day. I need them. You need them. We all need them. And we all need to be always because it's going to come up in different contexts. It may not come up the same way it does here in the scripture. But it will come up in your life in a different form. But you have to remember the principle. Because here's the thing. 
principles never change. Principles uh, surpass time, place, and people. It doesn't matter where you are, whether it's in Russia or Japan or Zambia. It doesn't matter. A principle applies wherever you are in the world. And it doesn't change whether the times have changed. Principles don't change because times have changed. And that's the wonderful thing why I like principles. Because they work universally. And they work everywhere. So here. So the first thing we want to know is this. Is that what we're going to notice. Is that God. Did you think. Did you. Did you. What do you think? Do you think that God knew that there were problems in the land? Did, did he know that there were that giants there? But he didn't tell them about it. Did you notice that? You know, he didn't tell them that, you know, I want you to go up and possess the land. But, but I just want you to know that there are some giants there. No, he just told them to go up and possess the land. And you, what you're going to find is this in your life. Is that times when God will speak to you. And the principle that I want you to go, number one, is that God's command to move forward does not mean freedom from obstacles. Because God says to you, you need to move forward in a, in a thing. It doesn't mean that you're, gonna have, you're not going to have obstacles. God's trying to tell you to start a business. And you feel like it's time to start a business. And you feel convinced that God is opening the door and the opportunity to start a business. It doesn't mean that when you start a business, everything's going to flow, flow smoothly. Because God told you to start. No. There will be obstacles. But you have to, there's some other things you're going to lead. We're going to say our principles. That's going to help us tell you why we still need to move forward. We need to move forward despite what the problems were. And so, you know, we, we've talked about this how many times here, over and over in our personal lives, in different times, when God tells us to move forward. Uh, when, when we were buying the land, we were moving forward. We didn't know, we, didn't, we, didn't, we just didn't think about it. God says, yes, we want you to buy this land. And we didn't know about the obstacles we're going to run into. He knew the obstacles. But as soon as we bought the land, they changed the zoning on us. That was a big obstacle. It shut us down. That, that means that this building would never be built. The way the obstacle came. And so we didn't deter because of the obstacle. Because we knew that God had told us and had given us the land. And it was his idea. And it was his command. And we moved according to his command. And we ran into obstacles. And I remember we ran into so many obstacles that one person said, one leader one time says to me, Pastor, you're so sorry. You must have so, be so sorry about this land. Oh, no, I was never sorry. Because if God gave it to us, it's a good land. And if God gave it to us, he has a plan. Can I tell you that? If God's opening the door for you to go somewhere or to do something, he has a plan. And if you run into an obstacle, it doesn't mean he's shutting down the thing. Do not get discouraged. Did you notice what Moses said to them? Go up and possess the land. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Because as soon as we run into an obstacle, what do we tend to do? We get the what? Discouraged. We get discouraged. We think, well, you know, maybe this wasn't God. No. God does ask us to do stuff, and then we run into problems. Look at uh, Abraham. He promised Abraham and Sarah. He says to them, you know, 
go to a place I'm going to show you, pack up your crooked and leave and go on. And I'm going to make you descendants and you, that's the stars of the sky. They're going to be like descendants of number, just like the number of stars in the skies. And Abraham and Sarah packed up and left and they went to the land and they got to the place and there was no children, no children, no child. You know, you're number one, no child, you're number two, you're number five, you're number six. And they said, but wait, God said we're going to have descendants. And he says, we're going to have descendants like the stars of the sky. I'm getting old. I'm now 80, 85. And then when he got to 85, he says, no, something is wrong. Maybe I didn't understand God. Maybe, maybe that's not the way we thought. And so that's why Hagar came into the picture. And that's why this, this Ishmael was born. And what a trouble that has been throughout eternity since that time. What a problem that has been because of the different races. And so the point of the matter is that when God opens the door for you to go forward, it doesn't mean that there will be no obstacles. And so they, had they not gone ahead to look, see, you know, so, you know I, I can't believe it, but I still learn. I, I don't, I, I don't, know, I, I cannot understand why people do this, but I still hear that Christians try to go find somebody to read their future. You know, there are some Christians that still do that. Hopefully no Christians in, in living word. But I do know of Christians in other places that they still go to try to read what's going on to somebody to find out about the future. Now, you never want to do that. God has control of your future. And by the way, I got to tell you something. I would not want to know what's coming ahead sometimes. Have you ever been through some stuff in life and you're glad you didn't know it was coming? You made it through it, but had you known it was coming, what you, how you would worry about it? Anybody can testify to that? If you knew it was coming, I mean, that would cause, you know, the nights, sleepless nights. But thank God he doesn't show us everything ahead. God reveals to us what he wants us to know. Amen? And then the rest of it, what he wants us to do is to trust him. Is to trust him. And so he didn't tell them everything about the obstacle coming. He knew the giants were in the land. He knew that the walls, were, the cities were fortified. But he was going to take care of that. And so he didn't tell them that. But they wanted to know ahead. And because they did that, they ran into problems. Now, here's the next thing that we need to see. Next principle I wanted to notice is this. Never focus on the size of your problem. Always focus on the size of your God. You see, what they did was in, in, in this chapter, verse 31, they, you know, they, they were focusing on the problem. He said, but the men who had gone up said, we are not able to go against them, for they are stronger than we. They're bigger than we are. Well, they may be bigger than you are, but they're not bigger than God. Amen? Your problem may be very difficult, but their problem is not bigger than the God that we serve. And you have to remember these things. Because if you focus on your problem, you're going to fall apart. And you're going to make terrible mistakes. You're going to make decisions that are not good. And you're going to do things that you will regret. 
because you're focusing on the problem, the size of your problem. No, 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 no. You got to focus on the size of your God. We serve a big God. Can anybody testify to that? We serve a big God. God is able. He's big. He's mighty. He's powerful. And there is nothing that he cannot resolve. Hallelujah. There's no circumstance that you face right now that God cannot resolve. God's not scratching his head over your problem and saying, you know, I didn't know this was coming. I didn't see this one. Oh, no, no. He's not doing that. He's not trying to figure out, well, you know, how are we going to solve this problem? Oh, no, God doesn't have a problem. Because nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is impossible with God. And so what, what the problem is, we are the issue. We, we try to think the way we try to let God be think the way we are. No, no, no. We need to understand that we serve a big God. Take your eyes off the size of your problem. And they were looking at the giants. And they were seeing the giants. And they were saying, oh, no, there's no way we can beat these guys. I mean, you know, this is the problem. But then you meet, here's the next thing we find out. So the next thing we don't, we, we, they, they misunderstood was this. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 now and switch back a little bit. Let's go with Deuteronomy chapter 1. And um, I'm not sure if I'll go back there another time, but Deuteronomy chapter 1. And I'm going to go to verse 26. Um, and the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26. Nevertheless, you should not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us to the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So when they, when, when they heard about the giants, they said, you know, God really hates us. I mean, he put us in this situation. He brought us here to, to kill us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. We're going to come back to that saying, the people are greater and taller than we are. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anak. Then I said to you, this is what Moses said to them. Then I said to you, Moses said, do not be terrified or afraid of them. Why? The Lord your God who goes before you, he will what? Fight for you. Hallelujah. And so the, the third thing you want to remember is that never for, never, so always remember. Here's the next principle, principle number three. Always remember that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is always God's. The battle is never yours or mine at any time. We are the one that takes up the battle. We are the one that assumes the battle. We need to remember the battle is always the Lord. So when you go into a, you get into a difficult situation, whether it's on the job or somewhere else, or in whatever situation you are, wherever you are, the battle is not yours. It's not yours to fight and to figure out. Oh, I'm so glad that it's such a wonderful truth. I'm so glad that I have a Lord that can take care of my issues. Are you, are you, are you, really, really, thinking, are you really thinking about that? That you've got a God who can take care of your issues. And if you're worried about something this morning, right now, that you're worried about, I want you to know that the battle is not yours. Turn to somebody and tell them that right now. Because somebody needs to be reminded this morning that the battle is the Lord's. Stop worrying about it. Tell somebody, stop worrying about it. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. 
Stop worrying about it. Oh, yeah. The battle is the Lord's. We take on the battle. So then they were concerned because they thought they had to fight. And they said, we can't beat those people. We can't fight them. Yeah, you can't beat the people at your job. You can't overcome that boss or that situation. No, it's not your fight. They may be trying to pick a fight with you, but you don't have to worry about it because you don't have to fight the battle. You can let the, the Lord deal with it. It's an insurance issue we're dealing with or whether it's another company or whatever the circumstances are. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Are you glad this morning that you don't have to fight the battle? I want you to come to that understanding. I don't need to fight the battle. Come on, say that. I don't need to fight the battle. Oh, we don't need to fight the battle. Whether it's a marital issue or some other problem. I don't need to fight the battle. The battle is the Lord's. It is. Don't take it up. And the problem is that we take it on. And we start trying to fight the battle ourselves. And that's not what God wants us to do. The battle is his. And he fights a better battle than you and I could ever fight. Uh, it's so wonderful. But we leave it in his hands. Amen. Uh, we, you know, we just let him work things out. And watch him. Watch him work. Is it wonderful? Have you, you, you guys get excited as I do about watching God work some things out? Anybody get excited like that? Can you give him praise this morning when you get excited to think about what, when God works some things out? I, I mean, you would never have thought of, oh, could this work out? And then God intervened in a certain way, and man, what a miracle. What a way for God to work things out. That's the God we serve. And the enemy wants you to forget that. That's why we have to come back to you with reminders over and over. That's why you have to remind yourself. That's why you need these. You got to keep these principles to keep them going. Because you're going to need them every day. You're going to run into situations. And, you're gonna, and you're, somebody's going to say, you, you can't take that. You, you, you have to, you, have to you, you can't sit down and, and let, that, let them do that to you. No, no, you need to fight. You know, people come to you with things like that. Isn't that true? They say, you mean you're going to sit down and let them do that to you? You need to do something about it. What's wrong with you? Get up off your bottom and start doing something. And you know, but you said, no, no, no. The battle is not mine. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. I'm just going to turn it over into God's hand. I'm going to let the Lord take care of this for me. I'm going to let the Lord deal with this situation. I can't fight the big giant insurance company, but the battle, God knows how to fight them. I can't fight these other situations at job, but the Lord knows how to deal with them. He knows how to deal with this big HR company. He knows how to deal with all these other people that I'm battling with. He knows how to deal with I'm leaving it to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's his battle, not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. He says he'll fight for you. That's why he didn't tell them. That's why he didn't need to tell them about the giants. Because he says he knows he's going to take care of it. But they want to get all the information before they move. They want to get all the facts. They want to know that everything is good first. They want to know that there are no giants there. They want to know that there's no problem ahead. They want to know that everything is clear. Oh, no, when you're guided by God, you don't get all the details. He just simply says, get up and go. And he doesn't give you a lot. 
because he wants you to learn to what? Trust him. You see, brethren, here's the key. Everything with God goes back to what started in the Garden of Eden. One word. Obedience. With God, it's all about obedience. That's what started the problem in the Garden of Eden. He says to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree you want in the Garden of Eden except that tree. Eat of all the trees you want, but just don't eat of that tree. That's it. And if Adam and Eve had just obeyed that, we wouldn't have the sickness we would have. We wouldn't have all the diseases we have. We wouldn't have all the problems we have. We wouldn't have all the disappointments we have. We wouldn't have death as we have. We wouldn't have all these trouble if they had just walked in obedience. And he's still doing the same thing you and I today. He's asking, are you obeying me? Are you walking in accordance to my word? God wants us to walk in obedience. And we find over and over, when you and I walk in disobedience, when we rebel against God's word, whether intentionally or not, we find that we run into trouble. And that's what it is. It was obedience. It is not trying to question God. Well, God, why, why do you want me to do this? You know, I, 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 there's so many situations in my life I can think of when I just have to say, well, Lord, is this, is this you? And then I just have to go. It wasn't something that I wanted to do necessarily, not something that I was planning to do. You know, I, I, you know I'm here. I can't forget the time when I received that note sitting down graduating from Bible school that I didn't plan to be a pastor. And I only gone to Bible school so that I could be grounded in Christ. And I was glad that it was finished. I was now getting out to go back to do what I wanted to do. I was so happy that this was the last day of Bible school. Then I got this note from the president of the Open Bible Churches in Jamaica. It says, we have a temporary situation in this church. Can you go and pastor it for a while? I'm sitting there in my gown on graduation night. And I said, Lord, is this you? What do you want me to do here? Now, this is a place that I hadn't even known where the place was. When I found out where the place was, the place was miles away from me, way in the woods. What I call wilderness. place called Watermount. You know Watermount? Now, this is a guy that lives in New Kingston, you know, near Vale Royal, right? That's where I live. So, I don't travel Watermount. Generally. I've never gone to that part of the world. And yet, that's where God's sending me now. And I'm going leaving from New Kingston to go to Watermount to pass and come back each time. That was a test. But you see, he was preparing me because he knew what he had planned for me. And it was a test of obedience. And I accepted. I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, I'll go. And you know, through those processes and all those different things, and, 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 and you know, lots of people came to Christ up there. You know, we baptized them in the river and had these crusades outside that they said was bigger than political rallies. We had some wonderful time. But this was God working. And he had a plan. But he didn't tell me all the details. And they, you know how things worked out. And there were obstacles. But he had the obstacles. But he worked it out. 
And so you got to understand, God's always asking you, will you obey me? And that's what he did with the children of Israel. But remember, the battle is the Lord. But here's the next thing. Let's go back to chapter 13 and Numbers 13 now. Let's go back to Numbers. I'm moving you up and down today. Numbers 13. And I want to go back to what they said. Look at verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anna came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's another thing, you know, is how you see yourself. You know, how you see yourself is very important. You see yourself as a loser, you're going to be a loser. You see yourself as not, you know, people used to tell you you're not going to amount to anything, you're not going to come to anything. You're, you're worthless and those things, and you're buying to it, and you let that affect you, and you think that way, you're going to be just like that. That's how they saw themselves. We, in our own sight, we saw ourselves like gospel. And so we were in their sight. Now, let me tell you something. You got to remember that they were spies. They were spies. So the people didn't see them. Did you know that? The people didn't see them, but they're assuming, uh, they, when they come back with a report, you know that's how people embellish reports? You know, people have to embellish report to make sure that you bind to it. When they want you to bind to it, they add to it. So they said, let me tell you something, man. People, we were like grasshopper in our own sight. And I believe we, we look just like that to them. I mean, they were spies. They never saw that. But they had to, at this, trying to convince the people to believe them. Do not go up. And so that's another problem, you see. So here's the thing. Principle number four. You need to remember, always, as Christians, we live by faith and never by sight. We don't live by what we see. We don't live by what we see. We live by what we believe. We live by faith, not sight. When you're dealing with your situations, no matter where you are, who you're dealing with, it's always by faith. It's not what you see. I know what you're seeing, but that's not what I believe in God for. I know what I'm seeing, but that's not the answer. I know God has something better. Hallelujah. He does. Something good is going to come out of this. I know what I see, but something good is going to come out of this. Because all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I know what I'm looking at, but I'm not looking, I'm not, I'm not buying to what I'm looking at. I'm buying to what I know what God is going to do. Can you believe that this morning? Hallelujah. And that's why you have to use those principles to live by. Because you're facing some situations that you're looking at and you're wondering, what I see doesn't look good. But what I'm seeing is not what I live in. I'm, I'm going by what God's word says. And by faith, we are going to overcome. And by faith, we're going to make it through. And by faith, this too shall pass. And by faith, we have the victory. And so you've got to believe. And by faith, trust God. Because if you go by what you see, the enemy will, you know, the enemy will make you nervous. And the enemy will scare you. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom may be those. So he makes a lot of noise, you know. Roars. So you can become frightened. But you don't get frightened by what you see. You, get, you stand firm on what you believe and what God says. And you stand on the promises of God. Amen? You take the promise of God and you stand on it. 
and you believe God and you expect to see changes because of what God's word says, it's by faith. It's not by what I see. So we live by faith and not by sight. So then we, then we go on to chapter 14 here now. Let's go over to chapter 14. So all the congregation, so they came back and gave the bad report, okay? They gave the bad report. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation. Who? The whole what? The whole congregation said to them. Look at what they said. Look at what the whole congregation said. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Those are words coming out of their own mouth. Now you got to watch this, you know. I got to tell you. So I'm going to have to jump to, uh, so let me jump to principle number six and come back to five. So, because I want you to see this. So here's some principle number six. I'm going to come back to five. Don't worry. This is number six, because six fits into right here. This is what they said. You know, and so we, here's the thing, brethren. You've got to always remember, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You cannot forget that. And when you, are, when you get angry and you say some things, or you get frustrated and you say some things, or you get discouraged and you put yourself down and says, this thing is not going to work. This thing will never work out. You are saying, you remember, you are saying that over your situation. I don't see ever how this thing is ever going to work out. Uh, you know, this, is, this, this has been going on for so long. They've been stringing me on and carrying me on. This will never work. You said that. Your own words. You have to watch what you say. So they said, they said, we wish, we wish. Yeah, we had died in Egypt. Oh, we wish we would just die in this wilderness. Well, <laughs> oh, they didn't know. So look at this with me. So chapter 14. So let's jump down now. Chapter 14, let's stay there. And let's go to verse 28. Uh, verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I lived, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and him has followed and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. And all right, so what I want to get to is, um, let's see, 28, uh, verse 20, verse 20, 20, 20, look at verse 28. Say to them, that's what God said to Moses, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so... I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered 
according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Did you hear that? Every one of them that said, we wish we had died into this wilderness. No, you see, they thought, you know, sometimes you think you're talking and you're just talking to your friend. But you don't know. You're talking in the hearing of God. See, you can't have some, you can't just be casual about the way you live. And so you just think I'm talking to my friends so I can say what I want to say. I get upset and I just say some things and I never going to work. This thing's going to fall apart. It's going to never come to pass. And you know, we, we declare all sort of stuff and we say it from our mouth. And they, they didn't realize that they've been saying it in the presence of God. And so they declared, we wish we were dying in this wilderness or in Egypt. And God says, I will do according to what you have said. So for 40 years, they had the longest funeral march. For 40 years, they march around, keep marching around till different one died, till this one died. This one died. You're, 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 you're 39. This one died. You're 38. Some died. 37 died. 36. You know, 35. Then, you know, you just keep going. So if you, you, I'm going backwards, but if you go from one to two to three to four to five, different ones are dying. Six, seven, eight, nine, different ones are dying. 10, 11, 12, different ones are dying. 13, 14, different ones are dying. 15, 16. 17, 18 different ones are dying. Every one of them that went, that complained. Everyone, now those, remember, there were only 12 of them that went to spy out the land. Watch this carefully. There were only 12 of them that went to spy out the land. There were only two that says, God, we can do it. But the other 10, the whole congregation joined with the other 10. Guess who suffered? Not just the other ten. Everyone who joined with the ones who disagreed against God. And so all of them, from 20 years and above, that were supposed to be responsible, they start dying, 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 dying. And they had said about their children and complained. And God says, okay. You have seen what I have done. You have seen the miracles. You have seen what I did in Egypt. You've seen what I parted the waters. You saw all of those miracles. And up to now, you still don't trust me? And you're saying what you're saying? You're dying in this wilderness. And every one of them died. It took 40 years to get all of them dead. In other words... The oldest person, listen to this now, the oldest person was 60 years old. Because he started, you had to be 20 to be included in what he was talking about. And, and it took 40 years for the whole punishment to take place. So from day one, the person was 20, 40 years, by the time the 40 years was over, that person was 60 years old. And all of those 60 years and below, 
there that was part of it, they died except the children. Because children were not part of it. The children didn't make any promise. The children were not. And God says, your children are going to go instead of you. You have to be careful of what you say. Do not just shoot your mouth. Do not just say things rashly. God's listening. And you will put yourself into problems and you will set yourself backwards. Amen? All right. So we're going to go back to principle number five, right? Because I jumped to principle number six. Now principle number five, I want to take you back to now to look at this. Uh, in order to do that, I have to go over to Deuteronomy chapter one. So let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter one. I think that's the last time I'm going to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter one. And I'm going to go 26. Let's see. And then I'm going to come back to verse. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26. Let's see. So it says, Nevertheless, you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord, and you complained in your tents. Now, you know, <laughs> you see where they were complaining? In your house, right? They complained in their tents. They didn't complain at church. They complained after they get home. Hello? But who was listening? You better remember that. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren... Have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we, the cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakin there. I took you there because I want you to see what happened when brethren discourage other brethren. When brethren take news to other brethren to cause a problem. When you start sowing problem and causing other people to become discouraged and causing other people that you want people to join with you and to join with how you see it. And this is not what they should be doing at the church. And let me tell you why I don't think so. And you go into details to show them why. You don't see what I mean. You see what I mean? And we try to convince the persons. And then they should join your thought. And that's why I'm not doing this anymore. That's why you see me. You see me? I back off. Hello. And the other person start thinking. Then I'm going to back off too. And then somebody start wondering what happened. You haven't seen these persons. What happened? Well, pastor, I don't know, you know. Maybe I'm going to another church. Somebody sowed discord and sowed something wrong. Now, let me show you what happens to them. Go back to Numbers chapter 14. 
Numbers chapter 14. These are the people. I want to show you what they did first. I want to show you what they did first. Then I'm going to show you the results. In Numbers chapter 14, God's going to deal with those people. So here what do we find in verse, let's start at verse 34. According to the number of days in which you span out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year. Namely, 40 years. And you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I surely, I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who have gathered together against me. In this wilderness they have consumed, and there they shall die. Now, the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him. The men who made the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land. Those men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. So they didn't, they didn't. They didn't go through, they didn't live any longer. They died right away, bang. A plague came and killed those ten men. The rest of the congregation, year one some die, year two some die, year three some die, year four some die, year five some die. And for 40 years it took the rest of them to die off. But those guys who brought back the bad report, they died immediately. Here's what we find, we find in scripture. Principle number five relates to this time. It is this. Those responsible for sowing discord in the body of Christ always suffer the greater punishment. If you are the ringleader, God's going to search you out first. If you are the instigator of the problem, he's going to find you first. You never want to be the one to start a problem. You never want to be the one to be a part of a problem. But you certainly don't want to be one of them that initiate the problem. You start sowing discord and let other people fall into the thing and get another people wind up and get another people stirred up and calling on phone and telling this and this one, this one, that and telling this one, that and telling that one, that and you think you you're, those that you have passed it on to will not have the same judgment as you. The one who initiated it will have a greater consequence. Always we see that in scripture. There are many more instances, but I don't no time to go there today. But I wanted to show you. You don't want to be a part of those things. That's why if you don't agree with something, I mean, I was... I had to deal with a church the other day. As you know, I oversee several churches. And I had to deal with a church, and I was meeting with a congregation. And there was this lady that stood up, and she said she hasn't tied for two years. I said, let me straighten her out. I said, if you didn't tie for two years, you need to do something. You know how wrong you are. You, if you don't agree with it, then you need to go somewhere else where you agree. But you cannot not tie. Because you disagree with something that leadership doesn't do. That's not your business. You have an obligation to tie to the Lord because you're not tied into the pastor. 
And you're not tied into the leadership. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And let the Lord deal with the leadership. Because God don't have no favorites. There is nobody that gets away with God. We could call him ten bishop. Archbishop. Double archbishop. Nobody gets away with God. And so you never have to worry about because they do this. You are going to take things in your hand. And don't do what you are responsible to do. The tithe belongs to the Lord. You give your tithe to the Lord. And let the Lord deal with the leadership for not doing it right. But you don't stay in the church for two years and don't tithe. That's not proper. And hold your tithe. So I said to her, you owe tithe. You owe a lot. You better start paying up. And you owe 20% on it. Yeah. That's what the Bible said. So, you know, we, we got to be careful. God's watching all these things. And, and, and what, what I find amazing is that a lot of people don't realize everything you and I do is open before God. And that's the person you always have to, don't fear man. Who is man? We're nothing. Fear God. Fear God. Because he is watching. When man don't see, God sees. Whether you do good or bad, God sees. When man don't see the good you do, God sees. When man don't see the bad you do, God sees. Fear God. That's the person to fear. Let's wrap this up with the last principle. <clears throat> so here we go in chapter 14. So here's what happened. After they realized that, uh, you know, now that they realized that they are, uh, they did wrong and that they should have actually obeyed God. And they, now the punishment was issued. You know what the people did? They said, well, let me go for, let me turn over to it for you. Chapter 14. Let's look at verse 39. Then Moses told these words to the children of, all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. After he told them what God was going to do, the punishment. <coughs> Sorry. And they rose up early in the morning. <coughs> and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are. And we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. So, <laughs> did you catch that? They were not ready to obey. But they were not ready to obey after the punishment was issued. So they were ready to say, Lord, we'll go now. We're ready to go. So they got up early in the morning and they started to go. And Moses said, don't go nowhere. Because God is not with you. And if you go, you're going to get beaten. Well, guess what? They still ignore Moses' call. They said, we, you know, we, we're going up, we're going up. We should have gone up, but we didn't go up. Now we're going up. <laughs> I just hear some people voicing that. We said we should have gone there. We never beat the force, and now we're doing it now. <laughs> See? 
Did you hear that? I just hear some people's voice in that. But guess what? It was too late. It was too late. God says, no. So when they went up, they got beaten. The Amalekites came out and they beat them. And then they came down and they started crying out to God. And you know what the Bible says? God did not listen to them. He didn't listen. You see, my friend, my, here's the point number seven. I think I, I, I skipped it. Seven. There's a point at which obedience is too late. Did you know that? Yep. There's a point at which obedience is too late. You can imagine how many people, after the ark door was closed with Noah and his family, and drops of rain started coming, and the flood started coming up, and when it reached their ankles and to their knees, can you imagine how many people were pounding on the ark side? Brother Noah, Mr. Noah, let me in. You know the interesting thing in read the Bible, what it says? It wasn't Noah who closed the door. Don't miss those things. It was God who closed the door. And if God closed the door, not even Noah can open it. So here they are, too late. The same thing with the wise, the, the, five, the ten virgins. Remember them? They went to get oil. By the time they came back, the bridegroom was gone inside. The door was closed. They were banging on the door, let me in, let us in. They want to come in. Too late. My friends, if you've never received Christ, you need to understand that there is a point at which obedience is too late. There is no repentance beyond the grave. Your chance to make it to heaven is now. This is the day of salvation. Now is the time when you say, yes, Lord, I'm changing my life. I realize that I need you in my life. If you wait until when you appear before him, which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. If you wait until that time, you're, it's too late. You can't repent then. Repentance then is too late. You can't repent when you're standing in the judgment seat. You cannot repent when you're standing at the judgment. You cannot repent when you're standing at the judgment. You cannot repent when you're standing at the judgment. You cannot repent when you're standing at the judgment. You have to repent before. And so now is the time. Not then. You don't want to take the chance. Because remember. When you get to the judgment. It's too late. He opens the book. He opens the book. And if your name is not written in the book. When he opens that book and he goes down that line looking for your name, 
and your name is not there, it's too late. And it's forever. It's not going to be for a part of the time. It's not going to be for some time. It's not going to be for a few years. It's not going to be for a thousand years. It's not going to be for 10,000 years. It's not going to be for a million years. It's not going to be for five million years. It's going to be forever and ever and ever. Who wants to take that chance? What in this world is so good that you said, I'm willing to live forever in hell because I refuse to get right with God right now. Because you know what? Nobody knows how long you're going to live. Nobody has, nobody has control over the next moment. Only God. So, here's the thing. This is the day. If you've never received Christ, I want to say to you, take it seriously today. This is the time for you to repent. This is the time for you to make a decision. If you've been a backslider, you want to make a decision, I want to come back to God today. I don't, I don't, want, to be, I don't, want, I don't want to be, this is another time. And if for the believer, I want you to know that you can trust God's word at all times. And you can apply these principles. So we're going to stand together. We're going to sing this song. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Have you proved him over and over, anybody? Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust more. Tis so sweet. To trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to Jesus, 
Just before we sing the next two stanzas, if anybody here this morning, as we sing it, and you says, you know what? I need to make that change in my life. I need to make some adjustments. Whether you're a believer or not, or, not, or you're an unbeliever and you want to receive Christ, or you're a believer and you says, I need to make some adjustments in my life. I, I want to really, really trust Jesus. I really want to really lean on him and really want to make him know today that I'm making some adjustments in my life. You recognize the need to make some adjustments. This is your turn. This is your time. As we sing it, you can slip around the altar. We'll pray for you during that time as you come. Third stanza. Yes, this sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply take life and rest and joy and peace. Life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust in time that you want to receive Christ, you want to make a recommitment, this is your time. I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to say this prayer and believe in your heart. Say, God, what God reads is your heart. That's what he reads is your heart. So say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize today that I need to make some adjustments to my life. I need you more than I need anyone else or anything else. So today, God, I first ask your forgiveness. Forgive me of any sins that I've committed. Forgive me of any rebellion in me. Forgive me of any disobedience. Forgive me for wanting my own way. So 
today I surrender to you. I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my Master. I ask you to be my Lord. I recognize today how important it is to live for you. Because I want to spend eternity with you. Not without you, but with you, Lord. So will you receive me today? Will you accept my pardon? Will you accept my request? My confession? My turning away from the lifestyle that is not pleasing to you? And my turning to you fully? to serve you and to live for you. I thank you that you're willing to welcome me just as I am right now. And I give you praise and I give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for those that have said this prayer. We know that you look at the hearts and the prayers that have been said with the sincerity of your hearts, oh God, you have received. You have received them in your kingdom and you have reunited them in fellowship. If fellowship was broken, fellowship now can be restored. So Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, continue to minister to your people. Continue to strengthen and to encourage, to guide and to watch over. That one day when they stand in your presence, they will say, thank God. Thank God for that day when I made that recommitment. Thank God for that day when I made that commitment. Oh Lord, I pray intervene in their lives. All that their steps and direct their path. And I commend them to you today. Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Remain standing. I want to remind you, only the leaders, I want to remind the leaders that we do have our leadership meeting this evening at 6 o'clock in the original sanctuary. And, uh, we prepared for you for you to be there, so we look forward to you being there. All right, let's continue to remember the, the things that were announced. If you're a first-time guest, we're going to look at the back. Since the buckle is there, if you look back, you'll see that lady, beautiful lady lifting her hands. She's going to escort you to her hospitality suite where you'll be refreshed before you leave today. And uh, so you will stay just as long as you want to stay. And we're glad you came and be a part of this service today. So raise your hands as you pronounce the benediction. And then we're going to go to our various classes the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless. Have a blessed afternoon. And to your various classes.